Hi folks, a little bit of housekeeping before we start this podcast. Uh, we are live again in the Sugar Club on May 29th. Tickets are available now on eventbrite.ie and it's going to be another excellent evening's entertainment. Uh, it, this podcast you're about to hear, by the way, is from a couple of days ago with the Nobel Prize nominated uh, executive director for the Nobel Prize nominated Global Alliance for Tax Justice, Dirige Alameu. And it, the genesis of it was some of the coverage we'd seen recently in Irish media referring to the third world, um, the derogatory way of saying third world and the African debt crisis. So we decided to go and speak to an, act- an actual African tax expert and economist. Uh, and we can't, they don't come much better than Dirige. Uh, so do give it a listen. I really recommend it. And check out the Global Alliance for Tax Justice work. Uh, also, if you do like these podcasts, please support us. Join us. Patreon.com forward slash Tortoiseshack. You get these podcasts as they're done first. You'll be get you'll be getting the one that myself and Rory recorded earlier on on vacants on vacant properties and what's come out of the latest renters report you'll also have the access to the Konstantin Gordiev report on what he talks about the bubbles that are currently looking very bursty in the global property uh, market there's lots of other stuff up there as well as well as discounts to our live shows all of that on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack uh, thanks for the support and I'll let you listen to the podcast now <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and I'm delighted to be joined today with my co-host, today, Tony Groves, back on again, and absolutely delighted to be joined um, on the show today by Dirige Alameheu, who is the executive coordinator of the Global Tax Justice Organization, who we've had on this podcast before. Um, and Derje, it's a privilege to have you here. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and of course, Tony as well. Um, it is really a privilege to have you, Tony, as well, of course. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. Um, <laughs> no, no. Can can I come in before we start? I just do want to say, um, Derje, it, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast because we recognize that the, the work that you guys do in the Global Alliance for Tax Justice, how, how important it is and how crucial it is. And that may sound strange to an Irish audience because Ireland, as you, as you put it yourself to the last time we spoke, is a country that benefits from the uh, the tax network of tax avoidance. But yet we, we believe that there has to be equality in this as well. So so we really appreciate you and the work and that you actually continue to talk to us here on, on, on the podcast. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. And just to give listeners some background, um, prior to his work at the Global Tax Justice Organization, Derge has served um, as a senior economic justice advisor at Christian Aid. He was also Christian Aid's country manager for East Africa for 15 years. And prior to that, he was lecturer in Berlin and holds an MA in development studies and a PhD in economics um, as well from Berlin. So listen, uh, Derge, the, the issue of you know, the debt crisis, the re-emerging or continuing worsening debt crisis in Africa, you know, links to tax justice, tax inequality, tax abuse. And like I remember myself, it is probably, I was trying to calculate, 21 years since I was part of the, even longer, I remember going to Cullen in 1998 to protest as part of the global justice protests 
Um, and I went to Prague and IMF against the IMF protests and the the protests um, part of the global justice movement that was protesting against the death um, of you know various you know African countries but also Asia as well and Latin America um, and the austerity programs that had been implemented as part of those. Here we are now, almost twenty you know twenty plus years on. What is the situation? Of debt, and of course, at the time, part of what motivated a lot of myself and others in that notion of solidarity was, of course, the debt didn't come from um, just what African countries, their economic situation. It came from austerity programs that were imposed by institutions of the West, and of course, also historically uh, with colonialism and all those issues and, and the system we had um, of financialized capitalism developing. But what is the situation? now in terms of that, looking at that kind of stretch of time. Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, first, uh, to start with the debt crisis and, and to establish some link between the debt crisis and uh, uh, tax justice. Yeah. We have, uh, there are, uh, there was a, one of the pioneering works on this is uh, a book, called uh, on the debt crisis in Africa and in which figures are analyzed for many decades and established that Africa is debt net exporter of capital to the rest of the world. What does this mean? More resources leave Africa than coming in. Yeah. When you look at debt, what does it mean is that Africa has borrowed a lot of money. More, Africa has borrowed more than it can pay. Yeah. But Africa has lost more than it received in the form of loans and, and aid. So what does this mean? Africa is a net exporter of capital. Africa is not living on the life support of the North, but Africa is feeding the bank system in the North. Yeah, that that's, that is not something that we hear as the narrative here at all. But that is a fact. And, and now if you look at the figures, uh, the, the, total, the total debt in Africa, uh, the accumula accumulated debt in Africa in, in 2020 was estimated at 702 billion US dollars. Yeah. And each year, 89 billion US dollars leave the continent. So, you know, the debt is accumulated over many years. It is the total accumulated debt is 702 billion, yeah. 702 billion. Wow. That, that means <coughs> within, uh, it is, the whole debt is less than what Africa loots in, 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 in shorter than a decade. Yes. Over so, a so, decade, they've so, already paid back. The yeah, but, entire debt that they have, but but there was so this what this is what was called in many in many studies Rory and and Drige as extractivism, where uh, the developed countries would put in in effect the World Bank I think did did a thing on this where they were, they would put in say at one dollar in aid and take out a hundred in, in the, the 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 issues are you know they they operate in different spheres yeah. Uh, meaning, you know, these illicit financial flows include multinationals not paying their taxes. Yeah. Inc includes uh, 
uh, cheating by trade misinvoicing uh, and, and issues like that. Uh, and theft is there, corruption money is it is all it, but all these resources leave Africa. So when you look at the figures, that the, it shows you that Africa is losing more than it it, it receives in the form of loans and what. So the the net the net balance is Africa is losing uh, because its resources go illicitly out of the continent. And the second most important, yeah. No, no, go ahead. The, the second most important thing when we look at debt is, you know, credits are necessary to to, to run an economy at the at the enterprise level at the country level. Yeah. But the problem is, in in private law, you will have bankruptcy law, which means if you have taken a risk to invest and if you have not been able to 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 make the pro- anticipated profits, there is a bankruptcy law which allows you then to, to, to renegotiate the debt repayment system, the debt structure and what. But there is an absolute dogma uh, led by the IMF and the World Bank which says a country cannot go bankrupt. That means, what does this mean? It means African countries borrow money to pay back in in a foreign exchange. They have to sell something on the world market because they cannot pay back their debt in their own currencies. They have to have euros or dollars. mostly dollars. Now, it is. it depends on what they, their commodities will fetch on the wallet market to pay back this this debt services. M- meaning, if the co- if the price of coffee or cacao falls, the the receipt the country gets from the sale of these products will fall, but the interest rate they, they have to service their debt. Mm. This is this is <coughs> so because they cannot say I am not I am in a problem I cannot pay back my debt. Let us restructure it. And let us make it adjusted to our economic performance. That is not possible. Yeah. Uh, actually, there was there was once uh, a demand to say, let us make debt repayment and interest servicing dependent on a percentage of our export income. Saying, but what is now happening is they they have to pay back whatever their economic condition is. So if there is, for example, 100 billion to pay to pay back, you have no choice to renegotiate how you pay back. You will cut from other areas of your, your budget to, to service the debt. Otherwise, they will blacklist you and they say, this country is not credit worthy. There is no more new resources coming in. So what's happening is the debt is a burden because of the resources that you lose, because of the conditions attached to repayment, and because the, the paying back the debt becomes more important than treating threatened people from by COVID. It's, you can, you know, once you are in a debt crisis, you have no more the policy space to set your priorities. You know, they are really behind your back with the staff. Yeah, but, but but the region, like just knowing that, okay, so we've had this Africa was already B 
pre-COVID, there was a talk of, you know, the debt was going to be, they were struggling to, but, but, but Africa is going to grow as an economy and it will be able to cover the debt. One of the reasons Ireland is able to carry this large debt, because Ireland has a, is a small, small country with a huge national debt, but because of our, um, our tax income, we can carry it as, as a percentage within the fiscal compact, within the rules of, you know, debt to service ratio. But Africa then suffered the double, the double whammy of obviously the debt is too high. The, um, the COVID crisis hit really badly in terms of, you know, it, 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 it stopped a lot of production. There's all the, the, we now have a conflict, obviously a war. So people have referred to, you know, um, three, once in a lifetime things crisis all hit, hitting at the same time and now and also tony they're dealing with the worst aspects of of the climate crisis and and absolutely but but so you add the climate crisis and then you put into that whereby when we talked about on this podcast over and over again about tax justice uh, are uh, you know the the need for um, corporations to pay 25 30% and then we agree a minimum of 15% which still isn't you know still isn't in place so it means that you can't even get the you can't even take those the 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 taxes in from these companies that are that are working as you say there is extracting the capital and not and maybe paying taxes to a an invoicing network that means that you can't even then service the debt because you can't you can't take the the taxes that are are due on them. Uh, <clears throat> okay, yeah, yeah. That you know, there is one uh, major distinction between the debt in Ireland and the debt in Africa. Uh, the problem in Africa is that the countries are mostly you know there is an internal debt. Yeah. You know that that you can you you can generate from your banking system and you can pay it back in your own currency. Mm. This is another set of area, but the, the debt is incurred in a foreign land to be paid back in a foreign currency. The primary condition is to earn the dollar first. Yes, to be to be able to pay back. But the 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 the, the, the situation you are not master of this. You cannot d- determine whether whether you can uh, earn the the dollars on the on the foreign exchange market or or through your export uh, surplus, you know, all these things are not determined by yourself. They are determined outside your, your your policy space. And then the other important thing about this debt crisis is the conditions how you set up your economy to pay it back will be dictated on you in the form of structural adjustment or conditionalities by the, by the international financial institutions. They will not prioritize for you your priorities. They will prioritize debt repayment. That becomes number one. If you Google and see how much of the current budget, how much of the country's budget, say in Kenya or what, is uh, used to service debt, debt, uh, the debt, the foreign debt, you will you will see that it is over fifty percent. If you sorry. use well, sorry. So the money, nearly fifty percent of of the money is used to service the current debt. Yeah, that's debt, debt repayment. Is if you look at any any country budget, yeah, a good chunk of it, about fifty percent of it, is used. It is a priority. You will close schools. You will close hospitals if you don't have if you, because you are not allowed to 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 restructure your debt payment. That is what is. Actually, the, the biggest problem. 
Can, can I just say something for the Irish audience, just to put this in context? When we bailed out our banks in the global financial crisis, it's it's well reported, you know, sixty four billion for to into to banks' balance sheets. What's not really reported is that almost within, I think it was within three or four weeks of that, most of that debt uh, and that money that went in actually ended up on the balance sheets of German and French banks because that's where they owned the money to, uh, and the, and so in a way. The money that we bailed out, Irish banks, domestic banks, actually ended up going in. Now it's different, and, for- and also, and also, Tony, like for Irish listeners, they'll be well aware. You know, we got only a temporary view, but we got a view of what happens when the IMF implements yes. its structural adjustment programs, which was the austerity cuts over the period of 2010 to 2016, which involved massive cuts to our health system our social welfare system, all these were dramatically cut um, and didn't, you know, are still suffering as a result. So why, why, am, why am I focusing on these aspects of it, on the, on the, on the austerity programs that you just say, mentioned, on, on the shrinking fiscal space? Because as as we see at the figures, if our countries, the African countries, were able to stem illicit financial flows, if they were able to tax multinationals, their need for credit will correspondingly decrease. What does yes. this mean? What does this mean? This means they can set their own priorities. There will be no IMF and World Bank coming. You 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 close schools. You 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 privatize hospital services to pay back your debt. There will not be such a policy dictate on you if you can tax multinationals, if you can stop illicit financial flows, you will have the financial means to have the policy independence you need. So it is not only the financial aspect, it is about also policy independence because structural adjustment killed African growth prospects. That is the neoliberalism, privatized, deregulated, deregulated, privatize everything, you know, hospital services, education, everything. All this came because of the debt servicing problematic. All this came because if you are indebted, not only you lose resources, but also you lose policy and political sovereignty to decide your own fate. Larry, can, can I give listeners an example again? It's, it's, it's really, it's really, Imagine you had a mortgage and you were paying at 3%, but you couldn't service it. And then the bank said to you, actually, I'm going to give you a credit card to pay your to pay your mortgage so you can pay your you can pay your 3%, but I'm charging you 14% on the credit card. Yeah. <laughs> that is or, the or or you you if you are if if you are paying for your kids' school, then they'll throw your kids out of school and, and use the school fee to pay your service, your debt service. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, and, it's, and, and it's one, basically pushing. It is pushed and continues to push African countries into more and more poverty to get the debt paid back. And of course, your the logic, the logic is actually flawed because, as you say, how can you grow an economy if you can't invest in the public infrastructure that is the foundation of that growth? So the debt creates this constant, and you know, the famous description of the development of underdevelopment. It keeps African countries in a state of underdevelopment and dependence as well. That that is that is the unavoidable consequence. And and then there is one interesting thing we have to mention. 
at the beginning of the debt cycle, credits are very cheap. Yeah. They are, they just, they just, sometimes even it goes to negative, meaning it is lower than inflation and what? They say, take the money and they will pump it on you. They will not ask the repayment conditions and what? And now in another cycle, a few years down the line, the interest rate has gone from zero to 17%. And it is on based on flexible interest rate. There is no, so at what, what, what happens is sometimes the date, the interest repayment overtakes the principal. So if you're, so that means yes. you, when you, when you borrowed the money, it was 1%. When you start yeah. paying it back, it becomes 10%, 15%, 17%. So it, it it generates its own cycle. And then the, the most important thing is sometimes to service your debt, you have to borrow money. Yes. At, from, at from even possibly higher interest rates. At higher interest rate. Yeah. And 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 you are you you don't come out of this vicious cycle because unless there is a possibility of an agreed restructuring discussion to say, let us let us uh consider this unpayable, let us consider the interest payment schedule to adjust it to your economic performance. Instead of killing your economy, let us wait until it regenerates so that it can pay back the interest on a, on a, in, a, in a healthy atmosphere. Yeah. All, these, all these rescheduling negotiations are not possible. You know what happened? Uh, Argentina brought this mm. to the UN to agree on an, uh, a, a system of renegotiated restructuring the credit. The UN General Assembly majority voted in favor. The OECD countries blocked it. The yeah. rich countries blocked it. And, and, yeah. and that brings me to a question for you, Therese, is, is this financial imperialism? It, 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 is, it, is, it is financial. What else can you call it? It is financial imperialism, financial greedism, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, uh, it, is but, actually, it is actually, it cannot be allowed to happen in, an, in a national economy. Meaning, if you don't accept bankruptcy, the possibility of bankruptcy, you, if you don't have law, if you don't accept borrowers, may be unable to pay back. So if they have to be acknowledged as such their capitalism cannot work but if you extend it to at the global level it becomes scavenger capitalism yeah. yes it does absolutely not, it does not care about the revival of the next the next uh, economic structure it is just grabbing what is there if you ruin the, uh, through this process the, the economy of a certain country it doesn't matter to you but if in a proper capitalism you have to allow the possibility of unable, being unable to pay back debt. That is what bankruptcy law is all about. That is what encourages credit taking. In the first it's, it's almost though, when I think about here, the investment funds and, and what they do with turning people into, they want them to rent forever. It's almost like vampire capitalism because they don't just want to completely devour you. They want to keep you as their victims you know, forever. They want to just keep you just sort of about surviving 
so that you can keep paying back, so that you can keep transferring no, resources. It, 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 and of course, they are. They also want to control so that they can extract all the raw materials for the phones, for you know all the various, you know, for those raw materials, the coffee, everything, the the basic commodities that they can keep that coming as well at at the lowest price possible. No, I. It, it, it is not even. It is. It goes up to killing, ruining an economy. That uh, what I would say because, you know, at least to keep it alive, to suck that is that 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 is at least uh, enlightened self-interest. <laughs> A but, pretty bad form of it, but yeah, you say they're full on. No, they're, they're yeah, yeah. They and, will and, let and, countries. But, but, but can I remind everybody uh, listening that that it was only I think it was 2016 where the IMF admitted. In the EU context, in you know Greece, Ireland, Portugal, Italy, that austerity didn't work. They their own report said austerity actually killed the patient uh, instead of actually helped them to recover to repay the debt. So you know Ireland was able to transfer debt that we borrowed at say five, six, seven percent and get it for for half a percent, one percent, and actually reduce our debt burden. But what's actually happening in Africa then is that we're sitting around and we're saying, no, actually, you want to resurface that debt. We're putting up the interest rate. And then we have to read stuff in our newspapers that say the African debt crisis is a threat to to European financial stability. And that actually, for me, I whether you want to call it imperialism, systemic racism, or or the history of colonialism, it's just it's disgusting and and we should we need to do better and 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 call it what it is and that's why i'm so glad that we have to have this conversation go on rory sorry you know no and i to following on directly the question is well who benefits from all this and it comes back to the corporations and the largest multinationals and the ceos and the wealth funds who invest from them and the top one percent that you know, we need to see that the point you make about the, the the loss of tax if multinationals were taxed properly and we had a proper global system of that, we could ensure that countries in the global south actually had both money to pay back debt, but also to invest in the public services. And I think similarly for in the West here as well, you know, we have massive poverty, we have homelessness, we have social, the need for social investment in health and education. And it is also because the multinationals pay very little tax here as well. And we facilitate that. But we cream enough off to keep people happy to a certain extent. But we need to understand, I think, that we live in a completely unjust global system that is getting more unequal every day. And it's not sustainable socially, environmentally, economically. Um, and the question is, I think there is a, you know, where is this heading now? No, uh, some some. Uh like uh, the earlier example said, you know, uh, the war has come back to Europe. Yes. Now, and uh, the example you mentioned above, how Europe killed the, the European Union, or especially the creditors in Europe killed the, res the resurgence of Greek economy, is an yes. example of the serdualization of Europe itself at its, at, at its margins. So what you used to see at the crisis of Europe, uh, Africa, uh, you know, as 
disgusting as it was, uh, some of the comments about the Ukrainian refugees, which said they are blue-eyed and blown like us. These are not Arabs type of yes. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was racist. Let's tell the it truth. It is totally racist. But the thing is, what I'm saying is, such crisis over overindebtedness, uh, the repayment schedule to greedy financial aristocracy, all these issues were considered like sardonic problems or developing country problems. They yes. will come also to roost in, in Europe or in, in at least in the marginalized parts of Europe. Uh, the homelessness you, dis- you described, uh, you know, uh, in some ca- in some parts of uh, Harlem, life expectancy is lower than in Bangladesh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So this crisis will be it, it will not be something that can be stopped at the border. It, yes. it, it becomes, you know, like like the, the all the cycle of crisis, which is now being linked closely to the climate change uh, impacts, you know. Uh, the, yeah, the, I think it's really just two. I have two questions. One, one is... Uh, a question on the third world, and then we'll finish maybe on Estonia. I don't, I don't like that phrase, third no, world. No, no, but I'm, that's yeah. why I'm asking a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the second one then will just be about solutions. What do you think are the key solutions we need to try and propose and inform and educate people about? It, it, Firstly, on the third that, world, though, the use of that phrase. No, is it, not? Uh, it, it was just, uh, it was just uh, it excavated from my, my forgotten <laughs> vocabulary. Uh, it's not a term I use. Can no, no, I, that's what, because it is used by people yeah, in it, Ireland it, by mainstream commentators, commentators, and I, I, I understood that the third world is something that is a phrase that's actually, you know, derogatory. It's this idea that it is the 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 historical origin, as 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 far as I can remember, was actually if you take if you take the Western countries, uh, capitalist countries, at the first world, the so-called socialist bloc, at the second world, yeah. there was this non-aligned movement in, in which it was said, we are the third force. Yes. So it it had this beginning uh, where it was first referred to. Uh, but, uh, but the whole thing is this. Uh, problem, this forced liberalization and globalization cannot be addressed addressed you know in any of its forms at the national level it has to be addressed collectively on a global scale is there any major any country can do satisfactorily at country level to to stop climate change consequences no is there anything you can do to stop global tax dodging as an individual country no so what we have to aspire is to force countries to come to a negotiation in an institution in which they can participate on unequal footing. So, for example, regarding tax, we are asking there is, you know, there has to be a process at the United Nations in which countries come together and commit themselves to, to respect fiscal sovereignty, to respect countries' sovereignty, to determine their their tax policies, but at the same time to commit themselves also that what they do in their country does not harm a second country, a third country. So to have such a, a, a tax convention within the, <coughs> the context of the United Nations and then create a, a UN tax body 
to look at implementation of the principles. About the debt crisis, that is what we have been uh, calling for, a, an agreed UN-based debt restructuring mechanism in which the, the, the possibility to pay and service debt is linked to the economic performance of the, the, the data the country. It is not about abolishing debt or credit systems. It's not, it's not about refusing to pay legitimate debt. There are illegitimate debt. You know, when talking about illegitimate debt, independent post-apartheid South Africa was tasked to pay back the credit that the apartheid regime paid to, to buy the bombs with which Africans were killed. Yeah. So they were, so because- That is illegitimate debt. That is illegitimate debt. But it's not about protesting against legitimate debt, but the thing is about making debt repayment uh, related to the economic performance of a country. Countries should not be forced to, to close schools, to stop vaccination, to pay their debt. So debt repayment should be related to the performance of the economy. If the ex <coughs> export income decreases, so the, the creditors should agree to, to reconsider rep repayment schedule until the economy can adjust itself. But otherwise, if you behave like a scavenger and you say, no matter how, how we will just get back the blood, even if it means you, uh, people will die through it, that, that is not how a economy, global economy can function. So in short, each individual, individual countries cannot do a lot. So what does this mean to, to demand this UN-based process to solve the global challenges caused uh, faced by tax dodging and debt crisis. It is to also st uh, find that the rich countries do not block this process within the United Nations because they don't. You know they have their club, club, uh, club the Paris club thing where they meet as creditors. Yeah. They want to be alone to dictate the terms and conditions. They don't want it to be a democratic, to take place in a democratic process. So we have to break their challenge of blockage and encourage countries to support a UN-based process, both to solve the tax justice crisis as well as the debt crisis. Because no individual country can do it alone. No, any major country can do such a globalized atmosphere is not, is not going to be effective. So that is why we are calling for a UN-based process for debt renegotiation and and uh, uh, workout mechanism, debt workout mechanism, which really makes not profit but peoples and planet first. That is the only way we can we can solve this problem. That was just so comprehensive, Derje. I think in terms of setting out, you know, this is very difficult times with such in, in many people feel very despairing at the moment but i think that what you've set out there is a possibility of you know how we can actually address um you know the african debt crisis along with our own inequalities and achieve tax justice which is true working at an international level through the un and as you say that principle of countries not doing harm to another country 
um, and acting on the principles of solidarity and putting human and planetary need first. And that is the values we have to keep trying to educate people and inform people about. So thank you so much for coming on today and helping us and uh, think this through and enlighten us and, um, you know, just try and express some solidarity with with um, people who are being, you know, exploited around the world and particularly with Africa and try and counter that, the narrative that this is somehow Africa's fault or problem, that this is a global a global problem of lack of solidarity. And as you say, the scavenger capitalism that we have to change. So listen, thank you so much. Thank you. It was an absolute Bye-bye. pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Listen, folks, we're, we're back tomorrow covering um, actually debt again, covering student debt in the US. Uh, so it just shows the the, uh, the 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 people pursuing scavenger capitalism. It's across the globe. We'll talk to you then. Take care. Bye bye.